Welcome back to another episode of Addicted to MRR. I'm your host, Travis Ketchum. Today, we have John Molyneux. How's it going? It's a place to be, Travis. Thanks for having me. You know, your, your last name's a doozy, so hopefully I did okay with it. You did it. You did a great job. It was fine. Great. Well, you know, I, I see in your title that you call yourself the Sales Samurai Master and that, that you, uh, you have a book available by the same name. Can you tell me how you came to that name and, and what that yeah. means to you? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, my background is, um, well, I was in the military many years ago. And then when I left, I kind of did the monotonous kind of thing that a lot of uh, ex-military fall into, the, the security work door, not, nightclub bouncer, that kind of thing, truck driver, these kind of things. And then eventually I discovered the opportunity to do martial arts as an instructor and I thought that really suits what I'm trying to do it'll get me fit again it'll have the discipline that I'm lacking that I miss from the military but part of the the training involved me building up classes ex existing classes for other instructors so I was getting all the, the training free and all the grades and the belts and that kind of thing I didn't have to pay for but my job was, I was expected to go out nightly and knock doors and build up the classes. So set door-to-door -door selling. Gotcha. And, you know, normally the guests on our show are people who either own, operate, or, or work heavily in the subscription world. But, you know, when I was looking through some of your background, you know, you talk about door-to-door -door selling and cold calling and, and closing, I thought that would be an interesting topic for people that are, you know, looking to grow their subscriptions-based businesses as sort of a, a new way and, and new alternative ways to build up that business. And, yeah, um, I, you know, I believe you've worked with basically doing cold calling for some, you know, subscription-based companies before. Is that correct? I have indeed. Yeah, I've, I've done cold calling in, in many different avenues now. So yeah, I was doing it for uh, car sales companies, uh, insurance companies, life insurance, that kind of thing. But those were the companies you were calling into, right? You were doing it on behalf of a subscription company? Well, what it was, it was a lead generation system for these specific types of companies. So I was offering lead gen for these specific car dealers or these specific life insurance companies. Gotcha. And so what I'm trying to figure out, I guess, is, you know, let's say, you know, for instance, like here I am, Travis, you know, I, I have several subscription-based software companies. If I was interested in doing cold calling, uh, how would I go about that? How does that process work? Because I, I would feel like, you know, doing cold calling for a one-time sale is probably easier than doing cold calling for a subscription. So how does that conversation work to go from cold to a paying subscriber? I think cold calling is hard. I don't think it really matters whether it's for a one-off sale, whether it's for recurring payments. It doesn't really matter. Because all it takes is if, if you speak to that person and they are interested or they are looking for what you're offering, it doesn't matter whether they're looking for a one-off buy or whether they're looking for something that's a, a repeat payment or a, a, I mean, an ongoing, uh, should we say, custom. It, it doesn't really matter. Cold calling works for any of those. And the beauty of cold calling is it's, it's really good for people that are just setting up their own business or they're in the early stages. They haven't got massive marketing budgets and that kind of thing. If you can get a team, a, a small sales team, and you get them all on the phones calling them numbers every day, 30, 40, 50 numbers a day, you're going to be surprised at the, at the outcome. It's all about numbers because when I was doing the doors, I, I used to go off, say, if I could knock 50 doors in an, in an evening, only, say, 30, 35 of those would answer the door out of those 30, 35, I might be looking to get four or five appointments. And out of that, I'd be looking to get one or two sales. So it's all about 
volume. As long as you make, you're not going to be have success cold calling somebody if you ring ten numbers a day and that's it. That's not the way it works. If you, but if you're getting four or five or six people calling 50, 50 numbers a day, that's when you start to see the impact. Gotcha. So it's, it's kind of similar to cold email in some ways, right? That's why people have to do so much cold email to, to get the needle yeah, exactly. to really move. Exactly. Yeah, of course. It's, it's a volume. Once customers are warm, you, you're kind of halfway there, aren't you? So you've got to remember these people, they don't know who you are. They don't know what your service is. They don't know anything about you. So th that's why it's, it, the, the initial contact is tricky. So can you walk me through I me? Mean, you know, with anything with sales, it's a little bit of science, a little bit of art, right? So, yeah. so what's kind of your approach when you, when you're doing a cold call and you're picking up the phone, you've, you've already identified who your ideal prospects are going to be as far as, you know, certain kinds of businesses, certain kinds of industries, whatever, right? Like, so the example yeah. you gave, it's, you know, life insurance, whatever. So you have the list of all the life insurance sales company, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, sales yeah. companies in the area. What do you, what do you say when you call? Like, how do you, how do you break that ice? Cause I would assume that people that aren't used to it, aren't used to rejection, probably afraid of rejection, are, don't necessarily know where to even start. You just say, hi, my name's John. I you know, I want to talk to you about lead gen. I mean, how do you, how do you actually do that initial kickoff? Yeah. Well, there's, there's so many different approaches and you have to figure out, right. What kind of business am I contacting? Are they going to have 20 employees? Are they going to have 50 employees? Are they going to be 100? Are they going to be Fortune 500? You need to figure out the size of these businesses. If you're looking for like smaller size businesses, then you may get through to the CEO. So it may be an idea just to say, kind of speak to Joe Bloggs, the CEO today, please. It's, it's John. Say it with conviction. Say it's John and I'm calling from such and such a place. They might just put you through. If you say it with conviction, but if, you, if you're hesitant and you're, and you're weary, it's the gatekeeper's job to stop you getting through. So if you're not, you've not got that confidence in yourself and you, and you don't show authority on that phone call, they will easily say, send me an email. He's not available. Does that make sense? So you have to speak to them with conviction. So if you're trying to get past that gatekeeper, do it with conviction or, or even just befriend the gatekeeper and have a quick chat with them first. People try to bypass them all the time and that's what they get. But if you ask them how the, how the day is going, how long have you been with the company? Is, is it a good job or do you get looked after? That kind of thing. You're kind of breaking the ice and they might be more, more sort of, um, should we say, inclined to put you through. Gotcha. What kind of things can you do to help strengthen that muscle, so to speak? Because I always feel like the sales... Is, is a muscle, right? It has to be worked out, yeah. conditioned you know, to get into your groove. Is it just a matter of you got to get through some, get bruised by going through some, <laughs> some gatekeepers? Unfortunately, unfortunately yes. <laughs> there's, it's not, there's no easy fix to it. It's not something that you can, um, should we say, breeze through and, and avoid the, the, the tough parts because you are going to get people hanging up on you. You are going to get people saying, I don't deal with cold calls. You are going to get people telling you to F off or whatever. That is just part of it. But you've got to think about how important it is for you to get your new customers and get your new clients. So to me, I'm that one-track minded. I don't care about that. I've done it that long now. I've got like a shield around me. So whenever I get these, these genes, uh, rejections just bounce off me. It doesn't affect me at all. Gotcha. Do you have any tips for people that they can, I guess, prepare themselves for that? <laughs> you know, cause that's, you know, I realize you said it doesn't really affect you at all, but I don't think we're really wired as, as humans typically, you know, we care about our community. We care about our peers, care about how other people view us, whether that's healthy or not. Um, what are some things that 
have helped you along the way to better prepare you mentally for the rejection that yeah, is inevitable? That, that, that's a good question. I, I'm, and I'm only human, Travis. I've, I've, said, I've mentioned this earlier on a, a, another show that I was speaking on. And the best technique that I did, I came up with it myself. I mean, probably other people that do this as well, but I, I call it my little reset. So if I've just had somebody hang up on me or, or if I was on the doors, if somebody just slammed the door in my face, I wouldn't go straight to the next house or I wouldn't jump straight onto the next phone because nine times out of 10, the next customer, the next person you speak to could be that customer. And if I've just had somebody hang up on me, I'm going to, I'm going to go, hello, and I'm going to be a little bit aggro and I'm going to transfer that negativity onto the next call, which is it's a disastrous as a cold caller. So that that's the, the stage where if I've just had that aggression or that, that negativity, I'll have a breather. I'll step back. I'll, I'll do some breathing techniques. If I used to smoke, so I'd have a cigarette. I don't do that anymore, but I'd have a drink of water or a coffee or whatever it is that's going to distract you and take you away from that negative thoughts, deep breathing techniques, and then give it five minutes, 10 minutes when you're ready, then you jump on the phone again. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we, we're going to get to it later, but, you know, we always talk about mental health stuff and, you know, uh, I yeah. think meditation is, is highly underrated. Even, even a five minute, just, you know, kind of close your eyes for a minute and just focus on the breathing to kind of clear your mind is great. Mm -hmm. Anytime you have uh, a negative interaction or you have a impending stressful uh, interaction coming up ahead, right. Uh, yeah. You got to present, you got to be on the spot. For some people, that would be every single phone call. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some well, people just aren't yeah. wired to do cold, I guess. But I, I agree, Travis. And, and if and if you are that way inclined, but you, you've got to remember that if you, it's kind of that that sort of the, the human nature, isn't it? If you get one or two negative responses in a row, you, you're probably not going to want to get back on that phone. But if you if you uh, luckily get that first call and you sell, you're going to be wanting to call fifty numbers after that, aren't you? Yeah, I guess, I guess Does that makes uh, sense. So you've got to take the rough with the smooth. It's just like life, isn't it? Everybody that's had success, no matter no matter whether they're an athlete or uh, uh, I don't know, uh, an actor, or they've, they've, none of them have had a really smooth journey and enjoyed it. It's all been roses and, and champagne and caviar all the way along, has it? It's been rough. They've had they've had hurdles. They've had injuries. They've they've tripped over. They've they've lost money. It's not going to be a smooth ride, but the the benefits and the pros outweigh the cons. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the laws of inertia, right? An object in motion wants to stay in motion. And fortunately, that works both ways, cuts both ways, mm -hmm. right? You, you have Absolutely. a win, you, you can feel on top of the world. You, you're going to want to, you're going to be in a good mood. You're going to go sell 40 more things, right? But if you have a, a negative experience, the the natural course and trajectory is to feel that, oh, well, all the rest of them today are probably going to be negative. It's just going to be one of those days, even if that's not true, right? It's sort of the sunk cost fallacy too, I guess, where yeah, you know, your past experience should not actually in indicate future experience. Exactly. I mean, say for example, if you've decided to, to dedicate a few hours in the morning to cold calling and you, 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 in, you've got 20 calls in mind, if you get through, through three or four of those calls and they've all been a bit, a bit shit, you're going to probably want to call it a day, but that's where you, you need to have that breather, have that rest, do that deep breathing, even have five minutes meditating. I, I didn't, those are the things that I'd got, I always do, meditating, deep breathing techniques, martial arts. So, so those are my my go-to anyway. So I do them daily anyway. So that's kind of my my escape or, or what I, what I, the way I keep in the zone. But then you just need to make sure that you jump back and continue with them calls. It's that, it's that discipline that all successful people, successful people talk about. They, they stick to the guns, they keep going. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely good advice. 
So, all right. So let, let's say I've made my list of prospects. I've called them. I've I've broken the ice with the gatekeepers or I've gotten directly to the, the head honcho. And I, I finally say, you know, do you have a minute, uh, yeah. you know, to, to speak about whatever I'm offering? Yeah. Then what, what's the, what's what? the next step to transition into <laughs> yeah. how to present your value without just feeling like a long winded pitch? Oh, that, that's a good one. But just, just remember that people are human because what will happen is you, you'll have a lot of people that they'll get past the gatekeeper and then, then they'll, they'll flat, they'll think, oh no, I'm speaking to the CEO now. And then, so they manage to get through the first, the hardest part is getting to them and then they crumble and think, oh, I can't speak to that. Do you know what I mean? Just remember that you're only speaking to a human being. They're exactly the same as you. They just happen to run run a business. So they're, they're, they're only human. They're not going to bite you or, or attack you or... The worst thing they're going to say is they don't want or need your service at the moment. And that's it. You, you, you can't take rejection in sales personally. It's not a personal attack on you at all. They just don't want your product or service or, or offer at this moment in time. That doesn't necessarily mean that they won't get back to you in a few months. The thing is with sales that everybody thinks it has to be here and now. You, the fact that you call, call that person, he might say it's, do you know what, John? It is something I've been considering, but why don't you give me give me, give me, me three or four weeks and get back to me? Here's my personal email address. Do you know what I mean? You, you, not everybody's going to buy straight away, but that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not never going to happen. What I would also recommend as well is if you do get to the, um, the, the gatekeeper will quite often try and block you with an email. So they'll say, just send us an email. But the, the problem with that is you're not going to get the CEOs or the sales managers or the area managers email, personal email. They're going to fob you off with a support at or a help at, and they're no good. So what I would say is if they if they offered you to send them an email and say, I'm, I, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for that, Tracy, but I'm afraid I don't do that because they just end up in the spam. Have you got a personal email for him, or have you got a better time that I could get reach out to him, or could you pass my mobile number on to him? Gotcha. So it's a bit, a bit of a rebuttal book, right? To to try to try to get out of that that sandbox, so to speak, where uh, you know proposals go to die. Exactly. Well, what I would recommend is get whatever your whatever this service is that you're promoting, whatever you get get somebody to perform a, a decent script for you, and then once he's got all the good stuff in. The, what I tend to do is, well, I, I I don't have to do this now because I'm I've 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 done that many scripts. I don't need to write, but write it out in your own words so you get the juicy bits, the content of the, the scripts. But it doesn't sound scripted when you say it because you've already written it in your own words and how you'd say it. So, do you actually advocate uh, for people that are just getting started to, to write an actual script, or to say, like, well, here's some bullet points that I want to cover at these different stages? Well, that, that's a good question. So what, what I recommend is if you're not experienced in sales, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise you to, I wouldn't recommend you to write your own script. Get somebody to write a professional script up for you. I wouldn't have thought they'd charge too much. Just give them what you, the stages and what you're trying to achieve and, and just say, I'd like a cold calling script for, for this product. Get them to write it up for you. But then once it's all printed up in their words and how they'd format it, you want to take the chunky bits and the, and the juice from it and, and put it in your own terminology. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause like, you know, uh, I, I did a thing called DECA in high school. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's, it's like a marketing thing where you have to go present and do these case studies and stuff. And so it's basically a sales environment, right. Is what yeah. they're trying to simulate. And I always found in that scenario, you know, I don't do a lot of cold sales really, but, um, these days, but at the time, like I always felt that the bullet point was the most natural thing. Cause it's something you can glance at, even if, you know, on the phone, they can't see your eyes. It's not like a video zoom call, but, 
you know, being able to just kind of glance down mid conversation and see just enough tidbit to like jog your memory. Oh yeah. I need to, I need to make sure I cover this benefit or precede for this objection, right. Before we get there, as opposed to reading a script, because if someone calls me and, and, and it feels even 0.01% like they're reading from a script, I'm very turned off personally. I don't know yeah. <laughs> how yeah. you feel, but. Well, that, that's why I'm, that's exactly why I just said that. Nobody wants to hear somebody that sounds scripted. It's monotonous, it's boring, and it's obviously a sales script, isn't it? So that's why I'm saying word it yourself. And, and you get used to not actually just talking about the script. Talk to them as human beings and, and just throw in extra. So, uh, so I've, I've managed to get through to the CEO. Oh, how's it going? How long have you been running this company for now? Oh, five years. Nice. Wow, you're doing really well, then. Are you just in this country? Have you just kind of gone international? So just talk to them like a, a real person. Oh, right. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm really glad I've managed to get through to you today. I just wanted to know whether you'd be looking to do these services in the in the future or whether you're already using them or you're already using them with a competitor. Oh, how's things going? Are there any areas that you that you tweak or change? So you're, you're just having a conversation and you may even get where he decides to work with you instead, even if he's already using somebody. So just speak to people on a level and, and just like, like you'd speak to your friends in, in the pub. I always think when I get on the phone, I'm just ringing one of my mates or I'm ringing my, my family member. Just don't put the, I, people pressure, put more pressure on themselves by thinking, oh, I'm doing a cold call. I'm trying to sell something. Oh, so just relax and don't put the added, the unnecessary added pressure on yourself. You know, one, one consistent theme I'm hearing you bring up though, is that you're asking a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, I do ask a lot of questions because the idea is to is to get them thinking and get them talking because the, the thing is I want I want them to open up, especially when I'm 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 building rapport. That's how I want that's how I'm gonna get them to to like and trust me. Um the thing is because they don't know me from Adam, do they? They don't know anything about me. So if I can get a conversation going and without them hanging up, then you're you kind of it's like stages isn't it so i've managed i've got past the gatekeeper i've got i'm speaking on the phone he's, he's not hung up yet so we, we can go deeper in the conversation talk about his business talk about this talk about that so and then ask him questions about the bit about the business and because that's what, what the conversation is about you want to know more about the business and whether you can help them yeah i mean because the whole point is to identify pain and agitate it a little bit right that's sort of the no matter whether it's cold or warm and the, you know, people, the last thing people ever want to do when they wake up in the morning generally is buy, buy some new thing from you. Right. Like the only, the only people wake up really wanting to buy, you know, is, is like food or, you know, like there, there's core things. Um, but generally you have to, you have to remind them of their desire for a different outcome of some, some way. Right. Would you, would you say it's accurate? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, uh, these kind of questions are going to help. Are, are you looking to scale? Are you happy with this service you've got? These kind of things. And if they're not, they're going to open up to you and they're going to say, well, I'm not really happy about how this, this, and this are going because we've we've, we've noticed a decline over, over the last six months in this area, this area, this area. Oh, really? That's interesting. Can you expand on that? So you're getting them to open up and talk, talk, talk. The more they talk to you, the more they're going to trust you. And, and the more understanding you are, that's why you ask the questions because they open up and they answer the questions. And then you just say, can you add to that or can you expand on that? And then you're just getting them to talk more and more. Yeah. You know, when I, when I think about um, different things I've seen for selling higher ticket sort of coaching, consulting implementation stuff in the software space, mm. you know, the, the, the questioning in line with what you just said, you know, is agitating the pain, but then it's also getting them to envision potentially a different outcome, right? Would you, would 
Did you future yeah, exactly. pace you, like you, that? You could say something like, well, the customers that we've been working with, working with, they've noticed this, this, and this have happened within their business. Is that something that you're looking for in the next 12 months? Then you get them thinking, yes, it is. Well, why don't you give us a try? We can offer you a three-month trial at this, this, and this. Um, I appreciate you're already using such a body, and I, I appreciate they're a great company, but we feel that we could we could uh, help you with these areas. So you know, you never dish your competition or put anybody down. You just you just uh, give them the reasons why you feel that your service would would provide them with more. Yeah, I think the key there, though, is it, you know, it's I think it's often referred to as future pacing where it's getting them to envision an outcome that they they want that, you know, of course you need to be able to genuinely believe that you can deliver that for them. But people, you know, people don't buy tools and services and stuff for the sake of buying tools and services. They buy them for an outcome. Well, so, you, you don't buy a, you, you don't buy a hammer for the hammer. You, or, or the, what's, what is it? Something like, isn't it? The nails, you, you buy the nail for the, what's that saying? Have you heard it about the hammer and the nails? Yeah, I actually, I mean, I brought this up on the, on the last episode that we just recorded that the CEO of Black & Decker, for instance, said that they don't sell drills, they sell holes. That's it. Yeah, I knew there was, I knew it was something like I was thinking hammer and nails, but yeah, that, that's exactly the one. Yeah, you don't buy you don't buy the drill, you buy the holes. That is exactly what it is, yeah. So it's the results that he's looking for. He doesn't want to know about the the features. He wants to know about the benefits, doesn't he? Yeah, so so as you're future pacing and you're, you're getting them to think about these outcomes, how do you then actually get them to transition to the sale? And, and how do you handle the, the when you actually bring up price? Because I've, I've, I've read and, and practiced a lot of different methods here. So I'm curious what your answer is about how you make that jump and then how you actually deliver the price of your service. Well, that's a good question, Travis. And it, it all depends. The thing is, you, you're not going to go from with, with something like that. You're not going to go from cold call to close in, in one fell swoop like that. I used to do it on the door-to-door -door stuff, but that was that was a very small investment. I was, it was it was literally that that was a that well the, the funny thing is that was a repeat thing, wasn't it? So that they, they paid for classes every week. It's slightly different to the services you're offering, I'm guessing, but they were signing up for something that they'd pay for uh, monthly or weekly or whatever. But it, it was quite a small investment, so it was quite easy to to close them straight away within within like twenty minutes. So I'd I'd. I'd book the appointment, say at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I'd be back at the house for six, seven o'clock, and I'd close them in in half an hour. So it was a very fast turnaround. But I got so good at that, I could I could do that without really thinking about it. But um, with with something like this, if you're cold calling B two B for 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 larger investments and, and bigger deals like this, you're not going to do it on the first phone call cold. It's just not it's just not practical. So what I would what I would do is I'd say. Well, it sounds like you could definitely benefit from what we're doing. Why don't you let me send you an email and we can give you a rundown of exactly how it would work with us. Could I take your personal email, please? So instead of getting palmed off by the, the gatekeeper for the support at thing, you're getting Joe Blog's personal email at the company. Gotcha. So your strategy, if it's a higher ticket or a or more sophisticated solution, yeah. that first call is just to get an initial acceptance yes for a second call. Of course, yeah. He doesn't know you from Adam. You're you're literally pitching him completely cold. So if you can get him to the stage where he's kind of listening to you and he's he's, he's open minded to hearing a little bit more about you, that's that's good enough for the first part of contact. You got to remember a lot of sales, especially the higher ticket, it can take four, five, six, eight connection times before you you actually get a sale. You have to have a bit of patience. I mean, I, I've done a lot of one call closes, but they're warm leads. 
that I've done for people, high ticket, but they're already kind of on the road, aren't they? Once they've won, they've, they've been through the funnel procedure, they've, they've completed an application. So by the time I speak to them, I'm just wrapping it up. But the fact that Joe blogs his company is completely a stranger, it's going to take a little bit more sort of nurturing and, and getting a bit of to and fro. And he, he might he might have questions. He might say, "Well, can you help me with this, this, and this area within the business?" Oh, well, I don't know. We, we can we can look at that for you. Do you know what I mean? You've got to negotiate, so it may take a few. You might have to get a couple of you, a couple of people on on the call. He might want to have a call with his sales manager or his early manager. You might have to have Zoom meetings with two or three. It, it, it's all different horses for courses. But I would never try and. The, the, the mistake a lot of people make is they spam it and they're, they're just pitching you straight away. And that's just, that's just a turnoff. Nobody wants to see that these days. Yeah, for sure. So in your experience, kind of what price points does it break off between, you know, potentially being able to get a sale initially or having to do, you know, four five, six, eight calls? Like what, what deal sizes make the, where does that break sort of happen? If that makes sense. Um, well, again, I mean, if you're looking at thousands a month, I would say that's going to take a little bit of negotiation and stuff. If it's only the sort of, I wouldn't have thought any of the, any of the people that are listening or that they're not going to be offering like $50 monthly services or, or $20 monthly services, are they? Or even $100 monthly services. I wouldn't have well, thought. Some if, are. So, some well, people maybe do. If, if it's know, only all like that, then maybe you, maybe you could be looking at one or two calls because they're not going to be, if they're, if they're a sort of small to medium sized business, that's not a, a big chunk of their budget i wouldn't have thought so that you might be able you might even get that on one call but i'm talking about if it's like thousands a month or something like that it's going to take a little bit more negotiation because they want to get uh bang for the buck or, or however you want to word it they want to know that they're getting the quality and the value from the service for what they're investing gotcha yeah okay i mean that that makes sense um and then also, as I think through it, you know, I, I realized that at the beginning, you know, I asked you, is it easier to sell one offer as a subscription? You, you seemed like you felt like they were pretty similar. You know, what, what kind of structure, like, you know, let's say it is normally, you know, $100 a month or $200 a month kind of thing. If, if someone has a, you know, software as a service, are they better off with cold calling to try to make that like a $2,000 a year offer? Or you know, like what what mix seems to be the most successful as far as oh wow, that's a that's a brilliant question, Charles. Return because um, sometimes if you go too high, then you get no's. But if you go too low, like you're not really converting that many more people, you're just getting less money. So where where's that sort of sweet spot? That's a good question, and what I, what I would recommend is is like B to test it. So maybe get sort of if you have got a team of say four people that are going to cold call for you, why don't you try two people saying that the twelve month at two k and two people trying the other one option? If you're happy to try both options, then go for that. And then you just you just test it over a few over a few week. If you're getting more results with the twelve monthly offers, then just go for them and just just put all your efforts into that. But in your experience, have you ever you know worked several offers that were similar in what you were offering, but you had changed up the pricing packaging and just sort of what has been your experience historically? Well, that again, that's difficult to say, Travis. I've had success in, in all in all areas, really, so it's hard to pinpoint. I wouldn't say one 
tends to work better than the other. It all depends on on personal preference. I think everybody's different. Aren't they? Some people might think, well, I'd rather just invest in the whole year and get it get it out of the way. Other people might just think, well, I, I think it's going to be better for me personally if I do it monthly. So it's you've got to kind of structure it to them. Give maybe give them, if you if you can do give them both options. Say, look, would you? That's a, it's a good closing technique is to give give them an alter, alternate clause. We call it. So would you prefer uh, a monthly investment of fifty fifty dollars a month? Or we can give you a discounted price of of two k. So make make one of them sound like the set. The, the one of them has to be the the, the sort of bigger investment has to be a, a a discount, doesn't it? They have to see the benefit of doing that. Or what's the point in paying for the whole year? So that that's another option, isn't it? Yeah. So like for instance, with with our tools, you often get two months free when you pay for a year, and so exactly. yeah. yeah. So there's there's definite value there. How do you feel even at the later stages? Because you know, once you've moved beyond the cold prospect and they've they've sort of transitioned to become a warm lead, just the sales process in general and the psychology behind it, when you think about how do I how do I get the close, right? Because the close is a different art form altogether than how do I how do I get the deal flow started? So how what are your feelings on when they ask for the price or you deliver the price? Is there a specific technique that you use with that? Well, I, I tend, I mean, I'd like to say I've done it for that long. I just, I just tend to, you, you have a feeling, you know, that, that the, 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 the stage of the call is ready for the clause. You, you've overcome any objections that you might have had. If they keep bringing more objections up, there's an underlying issue. The objections is like a front hiding the real reason, if that makes sense. So whenever they come up with an objection, if you overcome them, then they're kind of letting the guard down and, and, and they, sh they should move forward. But if they keep putting more blocks up, they're actually disguising something that they, they probably don't want to talk about. So what are some of those, before we get to the pricing thing, then what are some of those underlying things that tend to be, I mean, because you start to find patterns, right? That people tend to act in the same way. Like what are the things that drive people more often than not to be well, adding our sort of artificial roadblocks? The fear of failure is one of them, isn't it? Like, like the, the funny thing is, right? So with the sales individual, it's the fear of rejection. But from the customer side, it's the fear of failure. So they're going to invest his money with you. They're not 100% convinced that it's going to work for them. That's one the one reason why they keep putting the blocks up. But they just don't want to tell you the, the, the real reasons. That makes sense. They're trying to be nice about it. The other one is they just can't afford it. They don't want to admit to you that they haven't got the money to invest in it. Those are the two main real reasons that, because people don't like to, to to admit that they can't afford something, do they? It's kind of it kind of hurts your feelings. Or it's it's not it's personal, isn't it? And the other one is they, they don't want to tell you that the scared that they can't make it work or they don't, they don't actually believe the product is going to do what what you say it is. So that that could be a mixture between you've not given them the information and painted the picture well enough for them to see the, the potential and the, the reasons to do it. But if you, a lot of the time, you know, if you've done a good presentation and they're happy and they're, they're pumped, you just need to say, right, are we ready to move forward then? Uh, what do you, do you tend to prefer a bank transfer or do, do you use your debit, debit card usually to get set up? I just need the long card number on the front. And you, you just kind of not push it, but you're just guiding them through the process. Yeah. You know, you think about, you know, in software, because that's, that's the world I come from, you always need to be really explicit about what you want people to do. <laughs> you know, whether that's in the sales email, whether it's on the sales page, it's, you know, mm. it's click the link below to see what I have to say. And then once you're on the page, it's like, you know, click the button below to get started. <laughs> it's yeah. be very explicit about the, the action you want them to do. It's the same reason that 
whenever you watch any YouTube videos, every single one of them obnoxiously says, you know, make sure to smash that like button and subscribe yeah. and hit the notification bell. It's because yeah, you gotta exactly. tell people exactly yeah. what you want them to do. <laughs> Give them the instructions. Yeah. Sometimes it happens the other way around as well. They'll say, right, how do we move forward then? What do you need from me? Oh, well, we just need to see, do you normally use card or bank transfer? Can we set up direct debit? Just just have the conversation that way. But just what I tend to do is, yeah, are you are you ready to move forward then? This sounds like a really good fit for you. I'm excited to, for you to join us and, and work together moving forward. How would you like to make the investment? MasterCard, debit? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now, I want to, I want to, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this pricing thing because some people have very strong opi opinions about especially high ticket stuff. So, yeah, you get to the end, you overcome, you, you should overcome the objections, in my opinion, in advance before you drop the price. Um, you should understand and basically get them to commit that they believe that your product can do what it says it can do. They believe that they really want the outcome that you believe you can deliver. Um, and then they say, okay, how much does it cost? And let's say it's, you know, $5,000. If you say, okay, you know, the, the, the cost to work with us is five grand, then what do you do? You go quiet. That's what, there's a, there's a couple of things you can do. You can just go quiet. Cause there's a, there's a, there's an old saying, this is quite an old closing technique and it's the first, the first person to speak loses. So if I say, right, the investment for this today, Travis, to move forward is going to be four, nine, nine, five. Yep, and then the pause. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people uh, will, in the sales training and whatnot, they, they stress and underscore is, is that after you drop the price, especially on high ticket, is to not say a single peep until they respond. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. That, 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 is, that, that tends to be like an industry standard one now. It's just not say anything. And, and it's a really effective way because they're starting to think, oh, so that they're turning around and they're doing the maths, aren't they? But if I start to speak, then it kind of throws them off. And then they might start thinking, oh, the cold, the, the cold feet might, might kick in. So look, do you know what I mean? That, that, that is a really good, a clever technique is just to be quiet. Yeah. And so is that the primary mechanism that you use after you drop the price? I mean, I, the thing is, I, I, I don't necessarily do that all the time. I, I, I don't always need to do that because it, it, it's just, um, because like I say, I would say, right, so that's through three, oh, whatever, four, nine, nine, five. Are you going to be, are you going to be using MasterCard today for that? I just need the long card number. So I just, I just go straight into the actual clause from, from the price. Gotcha. So you drop the price and then you yeah. you give them the next steps as if they've already yeah. agreed to it. You are, as far as I'm concerned, they are going to close. They have to say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not ready today. That's happened to me. They're like, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm not ready to do it today. Oh, what, when were you thinking then next week? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but you have to have that kind of uh, authority. You, you, you are guiding them. And the thing is, I, I don't, I don't, I never think that I'm, uh, do in the wrong because we've all we've both come to this stage together and just to get you across that finish line I'm not trying to do do you wrong we've, we've both been through this journey together and to get you across that finish line is the best thing that you can do because I know that this investment this 5k this 10k whatever this investment is is going to improve your uh, skill set it's going to improve your business it's going to increase your income it's, it's going to do everything that you need which is why I'm happily going to take you over that finish line I'm happily going to take that investment today Gotcha. Yeah. And so what do you do when, you know, cause I agree fear of failure and a lot of other motivating factors. 
can get people to squirm and not want to get out of their comfort zone, right? And not do, you know, the, the, or rather they'll do everything in their power to not to close the sale and, and do the transaction. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of times that, that initial gut reaction, it seems like they, they want to say, well, you know, 4995, that's, that's a lot of money. That's too much money, right? And, and I don't ever actually believe that price is ever actually the real problem. Because you think about it, you know, it's five grand for a stick of gum, too much money. Five grand for a Rolls Royce, not too much money. Right? So it's, yeah. it's more yeah. about, do I believe that the value I'm getting is commiserate to exactly. the price? The exactly. price is almost never, never the actual objection. So how do you handle when they tell you that the price is the objection, that it's too much? Because a lot of people want to default to, oh, well, we can discount it. We can split pay. We can, you know, they, they try to find other ways to alleviate that pain. And to me, that's just punting the concept of the person still saying no. How, what are your feelings on that? And how do you typically handle that? And, and do you even agree that that's a, a common objection on higher ticket things? Yeah, I mean, it is a common objection, but I just say in comparison to what? What, what are you in, uh, comparing this 5K to? Is it, is it a similar service? Have you been elsewhere and spoke to anybody else that, that's, that's more competitive than that? What are you basing this, this, uh, uh, this value or this, this, this too expensive on? Where are you comparing it to? Gotcha. And then you do kind of another silence thing and wait for them to, to really well, yeah, spill their guts. I want, I want them to, to, to tell me the reason why they think it's too expensive, don't I? Yeah. And so if they, if they hang on to that, and even if you don't agree, <laughs> do you have any other mechanisms you tend to go to? Like, well, do you well, start to do split pays? How, what are you, what are your fallbacks? Well, yeah, there is there is a split pay option. I mean, if it, it all depends what. If we're looking at a 5K one-off investment, then I could say, well, I mean, I could offer a split pay over two months for you if, if that would help. Mm -hmm. And then if they're still adamant, then I'd say, well, uh, unfortunately, I can't really do much about that. We've, we've already discounted X amount off for you. This is, It's probably going to go up, if anything, soon. So unfortunately, there's not really much we can do about that. Um, have you looked at any others? Is that why you're thinking that it that we're too expensive in comparison comparison to other people in the market? Is that what, what you're basing that that sort of decision on? And then you kind of put the ball back in their court, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Do you like what are some other frequent ways that you try to overcome that? Because I feel like this is a real sticking point that people that are new to the yeah. new to the game of closing really stumble on. Well, just backtrack a bit. Say, didn't we go over the fact that you could make you could triple or quadruple your income when we, when we sat down and we went through this and we said, right, after it would only take you a few months by, by, by sort of um, what, what we're in now. So by the time we get to May, you'll have already paid off the investment and you'll be, you'll be, you'll be able to increase your net profit to this. So surely that this small investment that you're making now is going to be, is going to be coming back tenfold, isn't it? So I don't understand why you think this is, this is too much of an investment for you right now. Gotcha. That's exactly where I was hoping you were going to go, where you basically just underscored the things that they've already told you earlier in the conversation, the well, value. They, they may have forgot about it. They may have forgot. So you just need to go back to the, the reasons and the pain points and drag that back into the equation again and, and, and paint that picture again and say, look, let's project ourselves back into the place where we're, we're sat on the, the beach and we've got the palm trees and we're drinking the cocktails again. <laughs> Yeah, great. This is all, you know, this is all great and insightful stuff. I, I can, I can tell that uh, you're clearly a veteran because these are a lot of the things that that people that don't do it frequently really, 
really get hung up on. And it's it's because most people haven't been in the sales position in their life or, or if they have, they've only been a, a, a small piece of the sales function, right? They've, they've been fulfillment or they've dealt only with warm leads or whatever. And so um, yeah. I really appreciate you helping us walk through the whole process of, you know, how do you approach them? How do you get past gatekeepers? How do you set second appointments? Um, the strategy in general for the different pricing. I, I think this is something that's applicable to all businesses, but I, I think I would encourage at least more people who run a subscription business to consider ways you can incorporate some or all of what we talked about today uh, into their sort of marketing mix, because, you know, taking the low hanging fruit is great, but you're eventually going to hit a growth ceiling if you aren't willing to improve some of the different levers, right? Improve your ability to close, improve the way you price and package and improve the the, the distance from warm that you're willing to go mm. to bring people into the fold and, and give them your solution. Absolutely. Well, let me just kind of go over what I've just literally covered. The reason why I think cold calling is such a, a strong uh, skill to, to grow for you and especially your sales team is, you don't need a huge budget, a marketing budget to start off with. If you've not got that, then you can just pretty much start off with a phone line, phone connection, a few forms, can't you? So just get people on that phone and get get making, reaching out to people because your sales team are going to start sharpening their own sales skills straight away. And if you're happy to get on the phone yourself, you're going to start sharpening your own. So you're literally training yourself to be better salespeople. So you don't need to pay tens of thousands per person for, for these fancy courses i've learned more than any of the i've done i've done grant cardone's courses which is good it's good cardone university i've done the straight line which is another good course i've done another few courses that are unknown but no no none of these courses have a patch on or even books i've read hundreds of sales books none of them have taught me as much as being in the trenches selling door to door on the phones that is the best way you're going to learn sales so if you're happy to do that with yourself your business your your business team and i'm i i'm happy to coach people in this this is what i do now so if any anyone's listening and they want to learn more about this i do group coach so i could i could do you and a, uh, your sales team or whatever it is and i can just i can just teach you how to do it it's it's like anything you just need to get doing it and repetition is, is going to get you, get you to places where you, where you want to be with your business and your, and your sales and your results. For sure. Now, you know, normally I, I finish each episode talking about the mental health portion and normally yeah. it's talking to business owners um, about just dealing with the, the stress, the anxiety, panic, depression of, of what it takes to be in a high stakes business and running it. And I feel like, you know, you, you think back and, oftentimes you read like people fear public speaking more than death, you know? So the, yeah. the concept of cold calling can be pretty stressful too. You know, I, I personally have dealt with anxiety and panic, uh, over the, over the past, you know, 10 or 15 years. And so yeah. it's, I've, I've incorporated mechanisms into my life, such as, you know, consistent cardio, good sleep, reducing caffeine and alcohol, those kind of things to improve my mental health outcomes. And they have worked. So my question to you, as someone who's been a veteran, in the sales and marketing space, have you experienced anxiety, depression, panic, or any of these other mental health uh, side effects? And if you have, what things have you done, you know, besides just necessarily the five minute meditation when you get a bad phone call to shift your mental state and your mental health uh, so that you can continue to perform at a high level? 
Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am only human, and I have, I've, I've not hit height, height like really heights in depression. But everybody gets down, especially when you have got the pressure of the, of the, of being in a in a, in a sales role because it, it's tough. It's probably one of the toughest industries you can get into. But for me, I just make sure I have me time because the the thing you you hear a lot in business and especially entrepreneurship, it's this grind, 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 do 14, 15, 16 hour days. Don't sleep, sleep for three hours a night. That's ridiculous. That, that, that is unhealthy. So make sure you get in the, the six or seven or even eight hours sleep a night. I, I'm the opposite. I think you need a good sleep. That's your body repairing and your mind resting. So make sure you get in a good sleep, but have a good morning routine. That's, that is vital. I, I, I do my best to get up and write things you're grateful for, write down the things you're grateful for, listen to some mellow music. Don't get on your phones and start reading emails and social media straight away. Leave it for an hour. Have a drink of water. Uh, if you eat breakfast first thing, have some breakfast. I go out for a walk with the dog straight away first thing in the morning. So just start your day off the best possible way. Then you're kind of rejecting yourself into a positive frame of mind for the day. If you're stinking in bed till 10, 11 o'clock in the morning or, or just not a good routine, staying up really late till one o'clock in the morning watching Netflix, it's not a good routine and it's not going to do your mind or your body any favors. Yeah, I think that's that's probably definitely some sage advice. The One of the things I will add there is it's easy when you're in sales, I think, to feel like you're only as good as your current numbers. <laughs> and your your boss, you know, if you have a bad boss or a bad manager, they can easily reinforce that feeling. And I just want to let people know that, you know, failing in sales is a temporary state, you know, the, the idea of impermanence. And so, you know, your your success or failure as a salesperson does not, at the end of the day, actually equate your value as a human and your contribution to society. So um, it's something that is just adversity and it's impermanent. And I think that, you know, based on my experience doing retail sales and whatever else, right? Sales is sales. At the end of the day, like you said, you just got to do it and you just kind of, kind of push through it. And if you can unlink that your performance as a salesperson with your worth as a, as a, as a human, I think that it's a lot easier to set up those healthy routines and persevere and be resilient enough to get through to the other side. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. And it's like um, Brian Tracy says, it can be the most lucrative or the most, the most like hard uh, financially industry. But once you get the momentum going, the world is your oyster. You can just keep increasing and getting better and, and, and earning more and more money. So sales is, even though it's difficult, and especially when you first get into the industry, because I was, one of the things that I had to really, uh, what I found challenging was getting out of the wage mindset, the wage slave mindset, where I, I need to earn X amount every week to cover this, this, and this. Whereas if I, when I stop thinking about that and I think about making commission only, you, you kind of lift in that that sort of a barrier and you, you can you can increase two triple quadruple it's endless how much more money you can make than just thinking i've got to earn x amount an hour yeah definitely people underestimate the ability that you can turn your annual income into monthly monthly into weekly weekly into daily so on and so forth so exactly um definitely limitless well this like so this is definitely a different type of interview than what we normally do but but i really appreciate your your time and your, your insight and i I think that there's a lot of valuable nuggets there for people that are looking to improve their sales process and improve their their prospect pipeline in general. So thank you so much for sharing that with with, with me and in the audience. 
I will include the link that you gave me to some of your information, but if somebody wanted to follow up with you, yeah, maybe grasping I mean, for books or, or potentially, you know, uh, engaging with you to, to train their sales team, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm spending quite a lot of my time on Instagram at the moment. So I'm, I'm putting a lot of um, my content on there because I do a lot of martial arts stuff on there. So I do a mixture of some of my podcast uh, part, like little sections of my podcast are promoted, promoted on there. I've also doing like lots of sales kind of techniques and sales related stuff on there. But I'm also doing martial arts uh, demonstration techniques, that kind of thing on there. So that's if you go to Samurai JM80. That's my handle for Instagram. Or you can just follow me on, I'm on LinkedIn. So it's John Molyneux at LinkedIn. Or that's J-O-H-N-M-O-L-Y-N-E-U-X. Or just follow me on Facebook. Great. Well, thanks again so much for your time. And uh, I hope that you get some people reaching out to you because sales is an invaluable pr process and skill that we all need to have in our business. It's a pleasure. Yeah, the Sales Samurai Master Book is available on Amazon and Kindle as well. Great. Well, we'll include links to all that in the show notes. And until next time, Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Take it easy, bye.